Welcome to the Get in the Fight podcast. My name is Nate Whitson, and I'm the founder of Get in the Fight Ministries and our exclusive online fight club for Christian men. Everything we do here is dedicated to helping Christian men become the men that God meant for them to be. So if you're looking for helpful content and conversations that can help you to grow and become the man that God made you to be, then you're in the right place. But before we get started, please do me a huge favor and be sure to subscribe, click the like button, and then leave us a five-star review. Doing that helps us to reach more men who are looking for content just like this. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our mission and how to get involved or how to join the Fight Club, then head on over to getinthefight.club, that's getinthefight.club, and learn more today. But without further ado, it's time to get in the fight, so let's go. On a warm August afternoon several years ago, my boys and I were rock climbing in a place called Garden of the Gods, near our home. The red sandstone spires that looked like the dorsal fins of some great beasts that had just surfaced from the basement of time. We all love to climb, and our love for it goes beyond the adventure. There's something about facing a wall of rock, accepting its challenge, and mastering it that calls you out, tests, and affirms what you're made of. Besides, the boys are going to climb everything anyways, the refrigerator, the banister, the neighbor's grape arbor, so we might as well take it outside. And it's an excuse to buy some really cool gear. Anyway, when I climb with the boys, we always top rope, meaning that before the ascent, I'll rig protection from the top of the rock down, enabling me to belay from the bottom. That way I can coach them as they go, see their every move, help them through the tough spots. Sam was the first to climb that afternoon, and after he clipped the rope into his harness, he began his attempt. Things were going well until he hit a bit of an overhang, which, even though you're roped in, makes you feel exposed and more than a little vulnerable. Sam was unable to get over it, and he began to get more and more scared the longer he hung there. Tears were soon to follow. So with gentle reassurance, I told him to head back down, that we didn't need to climb this rock today, that I knew of another one that might be more fun. No, he said, I want to do this one. I understood. There comes a time when we simply have to face the challenges in our lives and stop backing down. So I helped him with the overhang with a bit of a boost, and on he went with greater speed and confidence. Way to go, Sam. You're looking good. That's it. Now reach up to your right. Yep. Push off that foothold. Nice move. Notice what a crucial part of any male sport this sort of shop talk is. It's our way of affirming each other without looking like we're affirming. Men rarely praise each other directly as women do. We praise indirectly by way of our accomplishments. Whoa, nice shot, Ted. You've got a wicked swing today. As Sam ascended, I was offering words of advice and exhortation. He came to another challenging spot, but this time he sailed right over it. A few more moves and he would be at the top. Way to go, Sam. You're a wild man. He finished the climb, and as he walked down the backside, I began to get my other son clipped in. Ten or fifteen minutes passed, and the story was forgotten to me, but not to Sam. While I was coaching his brother up the rock, Sam sort of sidled up to me, and in a quiet voice he said, Dad, did you really think I was a wild man up there? Miss that moment, and you'll miss a boy's heart forever. It's not a question, it's the question. The one every boy and man is longing to ask. Do I have what it takes? Am I powerful? Until a man knows he's a man, he will forever be trying to prove that he is one. While at the same time, shrink away from anything that might reveal that he's not. Most men live their lives haunted by the question or crippled by the answer 
they've been given that there is a portion of a book called wild at heart that we've been working our way through from john eldridge and it takes us to a place that i think is so so important for us to discover and discuss today this issue of the wound of a man's heart and it really is going to lead us into some conversations about fathers and sons and the delivery of these wounds that come to us in so many different ways one of the things that you'll see today is that men are dying to answer this question am i enough do i have what it takes do i have the power that i need to do this can i take on this challenge it comes to us in different kinds of ways but really that's the sentiment that our heart wonders about as a man do i have the heart of a man and as john says men are haunted by the question and sometimes oftentimes they're crippled by the answer I remember for me a story when I was probably, I don't know, fourth or fifth grade, and there was somebody at school that was bugging me. And I can't remember all the details of this, but I was also a really wimpy, passive kid. And so it probably didn't take a whole lot for me to think he was a bully. He was probably just a normal kid. But I was nervous about this kid. I remember that. And he he was pushing me and I didn't like it. I didn't know how to respond to it though. So I grew up in a Christian home. My dad's just like one of the nicest guys in the world. And I remember talking to him about it and kind of expecting the answer to go one way. And it went a different way. And to this day, I'm still so grateful for that. But the question went, you know, dad, I got this bully that's just kind of bugging me and he's pushing me and I just don't know what to do. And he just won't stop. Something like that. And I really thought my dad would say, hey, you know, son, we as Christian men, we have to be able to put up with bullies sometimes. And, you know, your goal is just to, you know, get away from the situation. Don't fight back. That's really what I thought he would say. Instead, what this really nice, kind, gentle dad told me was, look, Nate, if, if there's a problem at school, make sure you're not the one that starts it. You never start a fight. But if somebody won't listen and they won't back down and they are picking a fight with you, you punch that kid as hard as you can in the nose and that should take care of your problem. That like stunned me. I remember <laughs> still to this day, like just stunned that my gentle, kind dad said that to me. I really just didn't see that coming. But what I remember so clearly about it was there was something deep inside of my heart that needed to hear that message. You know, the question of, do I have what it takes? I, I certainly wasn't processing it like that with this bully, but I didn't know what to do. And I was a scared little kid. And there was something about that injection of strength that I remember to this day as just being so, so critical. It really makes me think though that how many of us out there have stories like that, but instead the, the message wasn't delivered in a way that said, man, this is good. Like the, it didn't make you puff your chest out and feel strength and pride. And instead it did just the opposite. We don't even know how to process that, but we know that it happens because we address those fears later in life as grown men in ways that are probably a response to that fourth and fifth grader or younger boy who never got the message delivered the right way to us. It cripples us later in life. 
a boy like in the story that I read at the beginning here is going to face danger. We all do in different ways. It might be a bully at school or like the story. It might just be, you know, you're rock climbing and you're scared and you don't know what to do. You don't know how to get through this. It's so critical then in this conversation today that we are able to understand how desperately young men need to hear from us as grown men, fathers in particular, that you have what it takes, son, that you can do this, that you can fight back against the bullies, that you can punch the fear right in the face. A boy is desperate to hear that. And you know, sometimes it's not the father. Unfortunately, in our world, we have so many fathers that are not around and so what's amazing is that in the church or in the community through sports, um, whatever those sources might be, maybe it's just an uncle who plays that role for a kid. We have men and we need men who will recognize how desperate this message is, how desperate boys are to have somebody kind of just inject strength into his heart, into his life, and to speak words of encouragement to him because the wounds are there. The wounds are there. John tells a story in his book about a guy named Charlie. And Charlie was this soft, passive kid who loved to play the piano. And he tells the story about how where Charlie is playing on his keyboard one day. And his dad, by the way, is very macho, I guess. And he describes him, you know, as, you know, just physical and athletic and things like that. And his older brothers were the same, but Charlie was kind of just the misfit. So that's the picture of this story. Well, Charlie is playing on his keyboard and dad and brothers come in from the gym one day and they see him there. And the dad in front of the brothers walks up to him and just says, you are such a faggot. Brutal, right? I mean, just a brutal story. The wounds then that come from a father who speaks not life but death into a kid's heart is just so, so brutal. John goes on to say in the book, not receiving any blessing from your father is an injury, not seeing your father when you're small, never being with him, having a remote father, an absent father, a workaholic father is an injury. My friend Alex's father died when he was four years old. The sun in his universe set never to rise again, he said. How was a little boy to understand that? Every afternoon, Alex would stand by the front window waiting for his father to come home. This went on for almost a year. John goes on to say, Some fathers give a wound merely by their silence. They're present, but they're absent to their sons. And the silence is deafening. Man, like when you hear those stories about a dad calling such a brutal name to his son, you think about the wound that comes from that. You think about the wound that comes from death when a little boy loses his dad. Or you think about the boy who's there and his dad is a workaholic and he's never around. You know, college is funded, but he never got to know his dad. His dad doesn't really care about him. You know, we know stories in our own personal life of dads like that who are physically present but really don't care at all about the kid and the kid is wounded deeply wounded and hurt and acts out of that you know some of it is the dads who are there 
but their silence is deafening, like John said. In any one of these situations, a wound comes and it's deep. It's deep. I know for me, again, I mentioned my dad. My dad is an amazing dad. I'm super fortunate to have grown up in his home. I remember, in fact, like with my dad, I always thought as soon as I turn 18 and I'm eligible or able, I, I guess, as an adult, to change my name, I'm going to change my name to Jeff so that I could take on my dad's name. And, and I just wanted to be just like him, just an amazing guy. My dad, though, wasn't as fortunate. Now, I think my grandpa Joe was a great guy from all accounts, a drill instructor in the Marines during the Korean War. But when my dad was four, his dad had an aneurysm. So my grandpa had an aneurysm in his brain when my dad was four. And he basically stayed in a VA hospital until the day that he died and just wasn't able to be there physically, just wasn't able to, to do that, couldn't speak words and communicate. And so he ended up having to be in a VA hospital for many, many years, sadly. But in that, again, to no fault of my grandpa, my dad carried wounds. Even with my dad being as awesome as he is, Every dad can pass on a wound. Every son receives one, whether we're trying to or not. I mean, if you're a dad and you're listening to this today, you can process this two ways. Number one, you've got wounds. You have a wounded heart somewhere from somebody for some reason, sometimes on purpose that people have hurt you, and sometimes, most of the time, maybe you know, unintentional. But there are things there. Even if you're from a great home, a man carries with him deep wounds. And the thing that is most fascinating to me about the wounds is that it's not just that you've been hurt. That's just part of life, right? I mean, ever since the fall in the Garden of Eden, sin has been introduced and, and therefore things are falling apart. Hurt has been introduced. People are broken and they pass on their brokenness. You, you know, you've heard the phrase that hurt people hurt people, and that's true. So we've all been hurt and we're all broken and we all pass it on in ways that we maybe don't even intend to or even know that we've done. But what is really profound is that John explains in the book that it's not just the wound, it's that the wound comes with a message. And this is where I think it really gets very profound. Again, it's not just that you were hurt, it's that you were hurt and it delivered something deeper even than the cut itself. So going back to the book, John says, every wound, whether it's assaultive or passive, delivers with it a message. The message feels final and true, absolutely true, because it's delivered with such force. Our reaction to it shapes our personality in very significant ways. From that flows the false self. Most of the men you meet are living out a false self, and all of this is directly related to his wound. I think it's really fascinating, don't you, that when you get hurt as a young boy, it does come with a message. You have a question that you're wrestling with that has to do with the idea of, do I have what it takes? Am I powerful enough? Can I deal with this? Can I take on this challenge? Can I do this thing? Am I a real man? And with that wound comes the message that answers the question for you in ways that feel definitive and absolutely true. They feel a certain way. 
So the question is there, and the answer that we tend to get, the message that we get is, no, you don't have what it takes. You're on your own. <laughs> You're not a real man. Nobody's coming to rescue you. It's all up to you. Isn't that interesting? The wound was there, again, many times unintentionally, but we feel like the answer is so absolute and it feels so real to us that we just think it must be true. I must be broken. I must be not enough. I must not have what it takes. I must not be a real man. And so the rest of our lives, because we feel like that's true, because the message is so deeply implanted in our hearts, we end up responding usually one of two ways. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. And if you are, please do us a huge favor and be sure to subscribe, click the like button, and then leave us a five-star review. It only takes a few seconds to do this, but it makes a huge difference for us. And it helps us to reach more men who are looking for content just like this. Thanks so much for listening and helping us out. Now back to the show. The first way that we tend to address that is we try to overcompensate. And so as men, we're just so guilty of this that what we pursue then to prove to ourselves or to prove to the world that we actually are a real man is we, we try to overcompensate with achievement. We try to overcompensate and have bigger bank accounts. We overcompensate with the vehicles that we drive and the status symbols that we have. We overcompensate by getting into relationships with women that aren't built on anything solid, but we just hope that the attractiveness of this woman shows everybody else that we have what it takes to be a real man because look how cute my girlfriend or my wife is. We put on this overcompensation of achievement and accomplishment, and it's all in direct response to a wounded heart as a child that was just trying to figure out how to answer the message it was delivered that maybe you're on your own, you better take care of this yourself. So we overcompensate in response and we live our lives like that all the time. The other thing that many people do is they, in fact, go the other way. Instead of overachieving, they underachieve. They become passive men. So now these guys are the ones that are you know, afraid to commit to a relationship because why? They're, they're hurt. They, their heart is broken and hurt in ways that they have no idea how to address. The message has been there since the kid. And so they, they just think all of my relationships are bad. This will never work. I knew this would happen. I knew it would break down or whatever it is. The passive guy then gets out of the way. He doesn't know how to stand up for himself. He doesn't know how to stand up for other people. He, he doesn't have the courage that he needs or the bravery that he needs to address the difficult situation. So he passively gets out of the way. He doesn't take on hard things. He doesn't fight for relationships or for mental health or for any of those things because he is responding in a direct way to how true the message feels deep in his heart. Robert Bly goes on in this book to say, we know that our society produces a plentiful supply of boys, but it seems like we produce fewer and fewer men. Man, that is like so true, isn't it? There's a lot of boys out there. In fact, there's a lot of boys that are 45 years old playing video games all day long 
and thinking that because they're playing video games with their son, that it like somehow is enough to not leave a wound in that kid's life. But it's really just this passive dude that is not doing the right things. You've got grown-ups who by age look like they're men, but they act like little boys. They're still chasing girls at the bar. They're just, they're constantly pursuing all the wrong things. And they're not living their life as a man like God had intended him to live. When I think of these things, when I think about the wounds that happen to us, the messages that are delivered, in all the the posing and the fake living that comes with it, it really makes me think that that's why this particular men's ministry exists. It really is something that I resonate with at a personal level because I know it's very easy once you've been hurt to want to disengage and to not fight. It's really, it's so much easier just to like, I just want to go on the sidelines, just live my life, take care of my family, and not really try too hard because I know if I try too hard, it's not going to work out. There's so many of us that are living that life where we're disengaged, we're passive, or we're so driven that we never slow down to really address what's really going on in our heart. And I know for me that there was that illumination, that revealing by God at some point to just say, man, you are on the sidelines, Nate, and you need to get back in the fight. And that really was that turning point for me to say, you know, I want to start pursuing who God meant for me to be. Who is that man? It's a man of honor. It's a man of discipline. It's a man of strength. It's a man of joy. It's a man who uh, stands firm in his faith and is alert to these very conversations. So that verse that I'm quoting there from 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14, it's that keystone verse of our ministry. And again, it says, be alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, do everything in love. Get in the fight ministry is really this appeal to men to say, you've been hurt. Like John is explaining here, there are things that have happened in your life that have caused you to live your life today in a way that is engaged from the life that God had meant for you to live. And it's time to start fighting again. It's time to start recognizing what the enemy has done to you. And speaking of the enemy, this is what I think is so amazing about this conversation and so true that I hope you hear really clearly today. Do you know why this conversation matters so greatly? The reason is because the enemy is afraid of Christian men. The devil understands clearly that he is defeated already. His time is running out to try to create the chaos and the dysfunction and all those things that he's doing. He knows his time is limited and he hates your guts. And so he is fighting in this world in every way possible. I mean, look at the gender confusion conversations that happen on a daily basis. Why, why is this happening? Well, the enemy seeks to destroy anything in his path and you are in his path. And in fact, the reason the devil fears you is not because you're strong, but because when you put Christ at the center of your life and you start fighting in his strength, 
you start to push back the force of darkness. You start to advance the kingdom agenda of God instead. When you are on the sideline, yes, you are saved. You might be going to heaven, but you're not going to reap the benefit that the scriptures talk about this 30 times, 60 times, or 100 times the harvest. When you start to fight, though, when you start to become a man of discipline and strength and honor and joy, and you act strong every day, and you're on alert to the tactics and the schemes of the enemy, guess what? You're going to start to produce a harvest, a harvest for the kingdom of God, and the devil knows it and he hates it. And so it's scary. It's dangerous. It's going to be a little nerve wracking to act like a man and to be strong and to get in the fight. But guess what? That fight exists whether or not you're on the sideline or not. And someday we're going to talk to the Lord face to face. And we are going to give an account for the life that we lived. We're going to give an account for the strengths and the, the gifts that God gave us. And he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? I don't want my story to be that I put it on the sideline of life. I worried about building my own barns up. I took care of myself and my family. And I didn't have the impact that I was made to have. I don't want you to have that story either. And so get in the fight is a response to what the enemy has done to our hearts. We just have not slowed down most of the time to even recognize what's going on or to recognize why it's such a fight. This world is a mess because men have stopped fighting and playing the role as man. We've stopped leading our homes. We've stopped leading in the church. Over and over and over, we see the effects of men who have bailed out and gone passive or men that have thought that being a man is about showing how big my bank account is and they've worried about making money and they've disengaged from life because they're so focused on financial goals or whatever it might be. Name your poison. The devil will take you whichever way you want to go. You want to go this way, he'll take you there. You want to go that way and overcompensate, he'll take you. But what I want you to know today is that when you get back in the fight, it's going to tick the devil off and, and just be aware of that. And this is why we have to band together. This is why Christian men need each other. Because when you get back in the fight, expect a fight. It's going to come in all kinds of different ways. But rather than cower in fear at that, scriptures say that we have in Christ all that we need. We're going to fail as men. But as Christian men, when Christ is at the center, when we're fighting for that with other men, we have everything that we need. We don't have to be timid and afraid of the fight that's coming. That fight is there. So we might as well arm ourselves with all that God has given us. And one of those ways that God has given us strength is through things like the fight club, things like accountability with other brothers, things like life group and or small groups, whatever you call them, your church on Sunday, wherever you go, godly mentors. All of these are ways that we fight back and find strength in Christ because we remind ourselves of who we are and we remind ourselves that we're in a fight. So the big question that we've been wrestling with today is this question of the heart of, do I have what it takes? Am I powerful enough? Am I a real man? Those are the questions of a man's heart and the devil is going to definitively answer it with a no. Your question, 
has to be answered by what God says, though. My question has to be answered by what does the Lord say about this? What does the Bible say? And the answer is that in Christ, you have everything you need for life and godliness. In him, you don't have to be timid and afraid. And together, as Christian men, we can fight and push back and win and start to become the men that God made us to be. The devil's afraid of this, but you don't have to be afraid of this because Christ in you is enough. Hey guys, thanks so much for being here today and listening to the show. Please be sure to head over to the website at getinthefight.club. And before you go, if you haven't already, please subscribe, click the like button, and leave us a positive five-star review. It makes a huge difference whenever you do. Have a great day. Go get in the fight.